Well, praise the Lord. Uh, I, I shared was it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I don't know how long God's going to have me do it, but I just feel led to go through uh, the parables of Jesus. And this is the third week of that. And uh, I hope you guys uh, were blessed as we went through uh, uh, the first two weeks of that where we talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I really felt like uh, the Lord spoke to us through that. And I was really ministered to by some of the words of the uh, of these songs because I felt like those songs, and I have nothing to do with the song list or decisions and all that. There's no choreographed deal that comes up where we're like, hey guys, uh, here's a list of songs I want y'all to sing because it just goes in line with what I want to preach. We've we got to help God coordinate these things. Every once in a while, I'll do a song request in full disclosure. But um, I just felt like uh, God's doing something here. And so uh, we're going to be, uh, the main text today will be out of Luke 10, uh, mostly verses 25 to 37. And uh, the story of that we know as the Good Samaritan. I'll read through it, you know, and then we will we'll go through what I believe God is speaking, uh, has spoke, wants to speak through me as a result. Uh, join me in a brief word of prayer, uh, please. Uh, Heavenly Father, it's an honor to share your word. It's a humbling uh, responsibility, Lord. Uh, you've given uh, me the responsibility as an under-shepherd to you, Father God, to feed your flock, uh, to preach the word in season and out of season. And, uh, and Father God, that is, uh, that is an awesome responsibility and a tremendous honor. And, and Father God, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts uh, and that the word that is shared is unfiltered, <laughs> that it is just your truth that resonates, and, and it, it resonates to each individual as they need it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, this week, as I said, we're going to the Good Samaritan, and uh, I'm going to just read uh, the verses that I identified, and then we'll go from there. And it says, And behold... A certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, What's written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, This is the lawyer. Okay, well, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And you remember, uh, it's in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 22. Uh, Jesus identifies what this man just said as the two greatest commandments. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the key to it all. 
There's a lot of do's. There's a lot of don'ts. There's a lot of lists of things that you are to do that will please God and not to do the things that don't please God. But at the heart of it is to love God with all that is within us and to love others as ourselves. Right? And so, so he says this and then Jesus responds and he says to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, Now, before I want to get into this, I think it's a, that's an important question that, that we need to not gloss over. Because it, notice it says, And he, wanting to justify himself. Whenever we want to justify ourselves before God, uh-oh. All right. That means there's something that's been said that we know we don't quite measure up to, that we're not quite doing, but we've kind of, okay, I need to justify myself here, so why don't I qualify myself so I can, I can at least put myself in a standard of feeling like I'm, I, I'm honoring God. And so he wants to move the goalpost. He wants to change the standard. Now, he gave this answer, right? Jesus said, you've answered well. And I believe deep down this man knew that there were certain people that he had no problem loving as himself. And there were others that he had no problem not loving as himself. And so to justify himself, he says, okay, well, who exactly is my neighbor? Are, 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 are the bad people my neighbor? It's okay not to love them right. So, so let's get this, let's flesh this thing out. Let's find out who the neighbor is. And it was, his motivation was to justify himself. Everybody say, uh-oh. Anytime we're in a position where we're having to justify ourselves when it comes to the word of God, we just need to check ourselves, <laughs> humble ourselves before God and, and, and be in repent mode because we're going down the wrong road. And Jesus answers him with a parable. And he answered in verse 30 and said, a certain man. Now remember, this parable is in, is in response to, and who is my neighbor? A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. They didn't just rob him. They didn't just take his belongings. They stripped him of his clothes, wounded him severely, apparently, and left him half dead. This, this man's condition is dire. If there is no intervention in this man's life, he's going to bleed out and die. He will not survive the wounds. He will not survive the damage 
done to his body. That's the seriousness of this man. And they've left him lying on the side of the road. And it doesn't specifically say that this gentleman is of Jewish descent, but I believe it is obvious in here. All right. Jesus' audience is Jewish. He was sent to minister as he walked. He was ministering to the people of God. That's who his ministry was targeted at. And this man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so this person, I believe, it just shows the brilliance of this. I believe this person, this unnamed person who has, be, who has suffered this injustice, is a person that all of them would have no trouble identifying as a neighbor. There's an affiliation there. He's one of them. There's no, there's no problem there. So far, so good. And so we're going to see how Jesus progresses this story. So we have someone that they can relate to, someone they can identify with, someone who might be them if they were to travel down this dangerous road. Now, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho had all kinds of little caves and little hidey hole spots where it was just perfect for someone to ambush you. It was a bit treacherous. It was a bit dangerous. It, it, it was laid out to where you were vulnerable if you were to make that trek alone. And so I believe that was intentional for him to include that, that, that strip of uh, a road in his story. And so a, a Jewish gentleman decides or needed to make that dangerous journey. And unfortunately for him, thieves jumped him, stripped him, wounded him, and left him half dead. Now by chance, verse 31, a certain priest came down that road. That's intentional as well. A fellow Jewish individual, a priest, a man of God comes down that same road. And when he saw him, He passed by on the other side of the road. Likewise, a Levite. Oh, surely a pure-hearted individual like a Levite would would have compassion on on this gentleman. But no, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. You know, so both of them noticed him. Think about that. They both noticed him. They both got there at different times. One was not able to observe the other. Both chose the same course of action. They saw him. They saw certain things How many of you know that you can be, someone can look at you, they can see you, and not really see you? I 
They can see you and your situation, not really see where your heart is at, not really see the need that you have, right? Oh, we can see circumstances. We can see the situation you're in. But, but, but do we really see you in your hurt, in your pain, in your need, in your situation? Or do we assess the situation and we got a bunch of questions going through our minds? Now, I can look at this and say, I can see the logic in some of their minds. It's Levite and the uh, priest would have the same concern. He's half dead. What if I try to intervene? He dies and I touch him a dead. You know, it, it could be, I could be unclean by touching this dead man. What if I intervene and the same guys who jumped on him are lying in wait and they will jump on me and do the same thing to me that they did to him? These are some legitimate concerns. What did he do? Is he a man of ill repute? Is he someone who was involved in some kind of business that, you know, that he shouldn't have been in? And, and could I be, you know, by helping him, could I be helping a sinner, uh, go about his business? Maybe this is the judgment of God. There could be a whole lot of things that go through our minds that could make us justify not seeing what really matters in this situation. What really mattered is there's a man in need. And the real question is, what are we prepared to do about it? What did James say? You know, you, you, you showed me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, faith acts. Faith does. Faith ministers. It's good to pray. You know, it, it's good to well wish and everything, but faith does. Amen? Faith does. And so, I'm not going to belabor them because it's not the parable of the priest and the Levite that didn't do anything. It's the parable of not only the Samaritan, but it's the parable of the good Samaritan. How many of you know that the Samaritans were like the redheaded stepchildren? Apologies if you're redhaired in here and you were a stepchild. That, that, that's not meant to mean anything towards you. But, but they were, they, they were, I'll just say they were frowned upon. We don't, I don't need to get really into it, but, but, but the Jews, God's people did not think highly of them, you know, because those, you know, those people weren't pure. <laughs> they, the, the, those people represented Well, let's just say, you know, uh, I'll just say, you guys remember the woman at the well, Samaritan woman. Jesus came and asked for a drink and said, well, you people, you people don't have anything to do with us. Why are you asking me for something? You guys wouldn't give us the time of day. You guys wouldn't even be caught debit one of us. You guys do not. Uh, respect us. You guys revile or reviled at us. And so isn't it interesting that in this illustration of who is my neighbor and showing love to my neighbor, he presents a Samaritan. 
to a crowd of Jewish people as the example to really illustrate his point. You mean, we, we can't not just overlook that. That there, that there is significance in this. As subtle as it may seem, there is significance here. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. See, he saw. All three saw him, but the Samaritan really saw him. I don't know, maybe the Samaritan had had suffered pain recently. Maybe he knew what it was to be in that position and 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 it just it, the compassion in his heart, it, it made him sensitive. It made him see, it made him relate to and empathize with the position that this man was in and it compelled him to act. Why do I why do I bring that up? You know, well, uh, I am a person who has endured many hurts, many abuses, many trials, many tribulations, and you know, uh, I do not let them own me, but I don't forget. I have not forgotten what it was like to be in that situation. And because I've not forgotten, I can see other people suffering. I can see what they're going through. And, and, I, and I move with compassion for them because it triggers what it felt like when I was in that position. You know, in, in, a, in a certain way, going through pain, going through some struggles, you know, Going through just enough of it to keep us reminded, to keep us able to remember what it's like can help us empathize and show godly compassion upon others. Because we don't want to forget. Now, I wouldn't wish, I'm not saying we need to all be Job. I think that's an exceptional circumstance. I'm not saying that we need to go through what Jesus went through. You know, I'm just saying maybe there is some benefit in going through trying times. And if it may not feel like a benefit to us personally, the benefit might be in our ability to take that pain, connect with someone who is going through something, and be able to minister to them in a way that God uniquely enabled us to. I see your pain. You know, a lot of times in healing, the thing that helps the most is to know that somebody else sees and understands where you're at and what you're going through. They may not have the answers for you, but to just care enough to pause and interrupt their life and come alongside you and say, you matter. I see what you're going through, man. That's that, that's that's really tough. And and and, and I, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I'm here for you. Are you hearing that? 
And so in that, there's a lesson that we can learn, one of several lessons that we can learn, what it looks like to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and even loving our neighbor as ourselves, that that is an extension of loving God with everything that we are, that they are interconnected. Where our ability to love others flows and stems from our love for God. If I'm not able to love you for whatever reason, we have different, I don't know, uh, uh, we have different skin color, we have different educational backgrounds, uh, we vote for a different party. Make no mistake about it, that's a reflection of how I'm loving God. Because what a, a different race, different ethnicity, different political affiliation, different neighborhood, different side of the street. It shouldn't matter. Those things, those designations shouldn't influence or determine my ability to see you, to empathize with you, to love you, to, you know, to minister to you in the name of the Lord, right? Because Jesus died for all of us, right? Are you hearing me? And he loves us all, even his lost ones. We talked about the sheep. Even He will lead the 99 and go after the one. Amen? And it's incumbent upon us, his ambassadors, to represent that part of the heart of God. And so, he went, let's see what he did. So he saw him. And I'm sure he had the same considerations Oh my goodness. Uh, now it says here that he was on a journey. Now when you're on a journey, that means he's got somewhere to go, somewhere to be. He probably had to be there by a certain time. Okay. There was probably something important that was waiting for him on the other end of that journey. He wasn't just casually strolling. This just wasn't a trip. He was on a journey. And he knew when he saw this individual, Hey, he's not one of, he's not a Samaritan. He's one of those people. He could have had that attitude. Hey, they despise us anyway. I wonder if he would help me if the situation were reversed. He, he could have done anything to justify himself. All right. Now, remember the motive of the guy who asked the question. He was wanting to justify himself. All right. So this Samaritan would have been perceived as being justified. If he walked away and did what the priest and the Levite did, and he could have justified it to himself, say, well, if the situation were reversed, he would definitely do it to me. And this story addresses that beautifully. And so here he is. He has the same considerations, same concerns. What if in the middle of me helping him, those bandits that did this to him do the same thing to me? And will I be half dead on the street or will I, or will I be killed outright? Same concerns, different response. He worked through all that and it says he saw him and had compassion. Are we seeing others with compassion? How many needs are we walking by unbeknownst to us, either whether we can see them or not? 
How many needs are we walking by every day that we're not seeing with compassion? Let's go on. Verse 34. So he went, he saw him with compassion, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, probably a a donkey, mule, whatever. Set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. You know, it might have been, uh, it would have been a pretty decent thing of him to do if he had just nursed him, bandaged him up, cleaned his wounds. And left him where he was at. He would have done something, right? On the good, better, best scale, that would have been good. God is not calling us to good, though, is he? You know, he's calling us to the excellent way. What is the way of the Lord is what we should ask ourselves. What would Jesus do? What would the Lord have me do in this situation? And so this man went more than the extra mile. Did he treat his wounds? Yes, he did. Did he do what he could do to stop the bleeding? Yes, he did. Did he bandage him up? Yes, he did. But he put this guy on his own animal. All right, the animal that transports him. And can you imagine, this guy can't support his own weight. He's half dead. He's probably a bit delusional. He probably doesn't have full awareness. So he probably is not even able to thank him or even recognize who he is to potentially pay him back for his good deeds. He's doing all this stuff without any care for getting paid back. And he puts this guy on his own animal, which means he's going to be walking and leading this animal while this guy is riding and he goes and takes him to an inn so that he can receive care beyond what he's able to give him at the moment. Remember, he's on a journey. He's interrupted that journey to take care of this man. And he's going to resume his journey because he's got important business somewhere. But he, but he's not going to leave this man in the lurch on the side of the road. And so he puts him on his own animal. He takes good care of him. In chapter, in verse 35, it says, and on the next day when he departed. So he spent the night at that inn as well. And he put this man up at the inn. He took out two denarii. Gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend in the process of doing that, when I come again, I will repay you. That is way over and above what many people would do in this situation. But it's not about the standard of what others would do. It's about who you represent. 
All right. And, and we represent a more than enough God. You know, we, 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 uh, uh, we represent a, a God who is extravagant in his love for us, who, whose grace much more abounds toward us, whose, whose favor far out distances any challenge in our lives. Amen. And so, and so here he is. Given two denarii, you know what that would put, I'm uh, just doing the math, two, two weeks, two and a half, probably somewhere between two and three weeks. That would put him up for almost three weeks at that place, at an end at, at that time. Not a day or two, weeks. And he charged the innkeeper with taking care of him and whatever else you spend more than this, I'll come again and I'll pay it for you. And, and I don't, there's no indication here that the gentleman that he helped is in good enough condition to know who this man was. Maybe he's able to see whether it's a Samaritan or not, but it gives no indication of the of the injured man, the half-dead man, knowing this individual, having having the capacity to do so. He's doing this strictly out of the kindness of his heart, the compassion that he's moved with, and he's done and he's doing it because the man needed him to. The need. He saw the need. He saw the desperate condition. He knew this man would not last long if not for some type of intervention. And he took it upon himself to intervene. So I'm recapping there. He looked upon him, which means his eyes were open toward him. Not judgmental, not jaundiced. He didn't concern himself with the guy's life story, what he may have done and may not have done, what he may have deserved, may not have deserved. He just looked upon the man with compassion. And so I'll ask a few questions. Are we able to see the needs of others? Even the needs of others we have no affiliation with. I'll repeat, even those who look different, think differently, act differently, (laughs) vote differently. And he had compassion. Otherwise, he had an open heart. He opened his heart up toward the man. And considering the mindset and attitude of the Jewish people toward the Samaritans, I'll just say this. I don't believe they thought the concept of a good Samaritan was even possible. And yet here is Jesus. 
answering one of their questions with the main character in the story being a good Samaritan, loving his Jewish neighbor. (laughs) Praise God. And by having the good Samaritan demonstrate that love toward a Jewish person, I believe Jesus destroyed any notion that it's okay to be to have to be partial in the administering of our love from one to another. Are we able to have hearts of compassion towards others in need? I think it, and it's one thing to see someone. It's another thing to feel for them. But what are we going to do that is within our ability to do? This is not a guilt trip I'm trying to lay on you. I'm, I, the word of God says this. I'm just bringing it out. Right? When it comes to, and this is not a, this is not a parable about how we get saved. Okay. This is not a salvation one. This is how we walk. Having been saved, how do we conduct ourselves? This is not a perform and then you can have eternal life. No, those of us who possess eternal life, who have surrendered and bowed the knee to Christ Jesus, who through Christ Jesus are saved, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, who are all, we've already got our golden ticket. Being redeemed from the curse of the law, no longer being in bondage to sin and death, now being children of faith, children of promise, how is it that we are to conduct ourselves? Who will we represent? Will we represent the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man? And so, having done all that, what are we prepared to do? He had compassion and he applied his hands, his feet, even his resources to minister to the need of this unfortunate man. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. So I want to, we, we are to love him in every aspect, with, with our thoughts, with our feelings, with our emotions. with our perceptions, with our bodies. Are you hearing me? And this good Samaritan loved him in all those ways. He demonstrated the fulfillment of those of the commandments that the, uh, the lawyer shared with Jesus. In, in his mind, you know, the scripture says, 
uh, Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. It may not come out of your mouth necessarily, but what's in your heart? Even if you hold your tongue and don't say what's really in here, it doesn't change the fact that it's in there. Right? And, and if it's in there, we've got to make a choice as to whether, what are we going to do with what's in there? All right? Am I going to rest in this? Am I going to justify myself in this? Or am I going to humble myself, okay, and pursue the endless pursuit of God? That, am I going to pursue His truth? Am I going to pursue Him, okay, and repent and allow Him to do a work in me to where I can love Him in my heart? I can love him in the way that I see others. I can love Jesus in, 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 in my ability to have compassion upon others. Are you hearing me? And I believe it, it's, it's an actual reflection of, uh, of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. Uh, Hebrews 2.18 says this, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So, in other words, he's gone through what we've been through and what we're going through, okay? And because he's been through it, he knows what you're going through, and he's able to help you walk it out in a way that honors God. So we have an advocate. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16 say this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Many scriptures talk about where Jesus had compassion on them, so he healed them. Jesus had compassion on them, so he fed them. Jesus had compassion. He loves them. He was moved with compassion on them. And as we walk with him and as we follow him and as we are his disciples, you know what? His character ought to be reflected through us. Unfortunately, it's, it's easy at times for us not to feel someone else's hurt. That's why I said earlier, uh, the benefit of going through hurts is it can make us sensitive to the hurts of others. And I really want to reiterate, I don't, I don't want any of us to go through what Job experienced. I, I, this is not, that's the first name that comes to a lot of people's mind when we talk about suffering. It scares us. But I don't want any of us to go through what Job experienced or to suffer what Jesus suffered per se. But it might be good for us to suffer just enough for us to remember what it's like. Just enough that we remain able to see and empathize with and show compassion concerning the hurts of others to the point where we take action 
to minister to their needs. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm you may be I don't know where this message landed with you today. Uh, Some of you may identify with the man that was robbed and left half for dead. Uh, uh, The Jewish man, the man of the man of God who comes, who's part of the promised children of God. Some of you may feel stripped naked. Beaten down. Half dead. You might be feeling unseen. The people see you every day. There may be little things you do. You're 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 dropping hints, or uh, you know, you're in in your own way. You're screaming, "See me, help me!" And people are walking by on the other side of the road. And you might feel that what you're going through, what you're going through, people just don't get it. I want you to know that the Lord gets it. I want you to know that the Lord sees you. And he's faithful. And he will, he will, he will guide someone your way. A good Samaritan exists in your life. A good Samaritan will be led by the Lord to walk the path right by you and that person will see you. That person will love on you. That person will be there for you because God is faithful. He will provide. And maybe it landed for some others who are not at this moment in time, relating to the person who was half dead on the road, but maybe you were convicted by the actions of the Good Samaritan. Maybe it convicted you that you're walking through life day by day by day. And when you see people Maybe you're not really seeing them. Maybe you want to see their hurt. Maybe you see their hurt, but you just don't want to go there. So you're like the priest and the the Levite that just avoids it because it's conflict, it's drama. It's just not something you want to interrupt your day and get involved with. Maybe God's convicting you that way through this story. And, and, if, and if so, then, then I say praise God for that. 
God's convicting you. He wants you to wade deeper into those waters. He wants to use you as a vessel of honor so he can use you as a point of personal connection to, to show forth the love of God, the, the grace and mercy of God, the provision, the compassion of God through another individual. So are you willing to open your eyes? Really open your eyes and see the people who are in need. Are you willing to open your heart to really care with compassion? Are you willing to act to show your faith by your works, to put your faith into action in a way that will make a difference, in a way that will heal, in a way that will make someone whole, in a way that will help somebody whose knees are weak be able to stand and get back on the road again. Are you willing to sacrifice and interrupt your journey to make a difference in someone's life. And are you willing to stick with them and stand by them as long as it takes? I know these are all... (laughs) Serious questions, and they will require some serious contemplation and some. But the choice is clear before us. Are we going to love God with everything, our heart, mind, soul, strength, and are we going to love our neighbors as ourselves? That's God's commandment. So are we going to obey him or not? I would challenge you to choose obedience. It's a choice, but it's really not a choice. <laughs> we either we're either the children of God or we're not, right? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for being just for being real with us. for just hitting us with the truth of your word and in such a way as to convict our hearts and, and, and lay the choice, the, the choice bare before us. To give us that clear opportunity to make the choice as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Father, I just thank you for the, the open minds and the open hearts of your people to receive your word today. And Father, by faith, I am trusting that that word is planted in good soil, that this word will bear fruit in the lives of your children. This will not just be given mental assent to. It will not just be, that's a good word. It will not just be 
amen and, 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 and walk away from it and continue with business as usual. But, but to the extent that we are convicted, to the extent that our hearts were pricked, that we will take in this truth and we will plant it in our hearts and we will humble ourselves and we will walk in humble obedience in this new revelation, in this truth. We will allow the word to conform us. We will not seek to justify ourselves. And I just thank you for the work that you're doing in us, the work that you're faithful to complete. And, um, and I look forward to seeing the fruit bear out and hearing the wonderful testimonies in Jesus' name.